0: How God's revelation unfolds. Uh, and we're looking at it through the lens of covenant theology, which is basically that God works with man through covenants. So um, you know, in, in the beginning he he made the the command, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That command was was a covenant by create by creation, by the fact that man was created in the image of God and that man was as God's creation, they have they have a, a a connection with God, and they're obligated to obey God just by the fact that they were created by him. So they're under that uh, agreement because God has given them a command. As soon as God gives them a command, they're obligated to, to obey that command as those who have been created by God. And he is their Lord, he is the creator, they are the creation, and straight away they're under a covenant with him. And the command he gave was don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that. And when they ate from that, they broke the command. They broke the, the covenant, the agreement, the positive command that God gave, and now and then that led to judgment and sin ruled and sin came in and all sinned, uh, all death spread to all because all sinned. Right? Mm-hmm. That's that's um, now all of us by the fact that we've been created by God uh, uh, and we're made in the image of God are obligated to keep the covenant. We're obligated to give God perfect obedience. We're obligated to do what we were created to do, which was reflect the image and glory of God. And I was talking to a judge today, it's interesting in Paul in Romans, he says, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, every time I used to read that verse, I used to think it's weird that Paul says it that way. Why doesn't he say we've all fallen short of the law? Mm -hmm. He doesn't say that. He says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And I think that what that means is, is saying that we've all fallen short of the standard by which we're created. We're created in the image of God. We're created to glorify God. And we've failed to do that. That makes it not about law, but about our, we were created to reflect God. And we all fail through sin. So that everyone is expected to meet that standard. The standard is with perfect obedience. To God that's what we're meant to do right and that's a that's an agreement just by the fact that we've been created that's why I don't like to actually use the term covenant of works I prefer the term covenant of creation and uh, this is it you know we have a covenant with God because we've been created in his image so we've been talking about that basically and that's a covenant of works or covenant of creation and then there's the second covenant which is the covenant of grace right God makes a covenant a promise to save through grace, not through our performance, not through our, our law-keeping or our fulfilling the mandate to reflect the image and the glory of God, right? So we are we're saved by God's grace, not by our own performance. And and you can see this thread through all of Scripture. So what we've been doing is trying to trace that thread. So we looked at uh, Adam and Eve, and then we looked at um, um, you know, we looked at the fall, and then we looked at God's promise, Genesis three fifteen, which is the key promise. Mm-hmm. If you want to understand Scripture, this is a very key promise. So let's just revisit it really quickly because every time we have new people, so we have to revisit it a little bit. Adesh uh, is getting it like twenty times, so, and he gets it in our training as well because we teach the same thing over and over again. So he's going to know this really, really well. Um, so God here says. Every time I'm learning. Genesis (laughs) 3.15. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply you. No, no, sorry. Uh, Yeah, 15. I'll put enmity. Speaking to the serpent, but he's declaring his will. He's declaring his plan, right? This is God's plan. Mm -hmm. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, right? So the offspring of the woman is going to do what? He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So there's a promise of a descendant of Eve. Through Eve will come a descendant who will crush the head of the serpent and he'll be bruised. Isn't that amazing? Right, right At the very beginning of the Bible, you have this promise of a Messiah. Seed of, Yeah, the seed of the woman. Um, and it's actually interesting. Some people translate uh, chapter 4 verse 1. Interestingly, I'm not sure if I'm convinced, but chapter 4 verse 1 Um now Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Now, some people translate that some some ways you can translate that I have begotten a, a a man, the Lord. Some people think it's actually, she thought this was him, the seed. She thought this is the promised one, Cain, because he came through her. This Cain is going to be the promised one that God promised. Um, in Genesis 3.15. So when she had Cain, she thought, this is the one, mm. right? But it wasn't the one, right? Because <laughs> Cain was bad. It's in nature. And so did Abel. But um, so, and then, so we see this promise of a seed. And this promise of a seed is very important if you want to understand the whole of the Old Testament. Because everything in the Old Testament is predicting, foreshadowing, Talking about this descendant who's going to come. And Israel's preservation, the earth's preservation in the time after the time of Noah is all because God is going to send the Messiah. So God preserves the earth in, 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 in Noah's time. He he preserves the nation of Israel because through them is going to come the Messiah. So He's preserving until what? Till the Messiah will come. And that he can save. So, so all of history, all of Old Testament history, revolves around this descendant of Eve, and th- and then you see, you get more information bit by bit of what he'll do, and he'll do this, and how he'll how he'll fulfill the covenant, right? And so let's have a little bit of a look at um, at this because I want to show how how you see this in a couple of places uh, in the Old Testament. Um, so covenant of grace. What is what is the covenant of grace? It's God's plan. Right? Basically, covenant, agreement, plan, uh, plan, purpose, sometimes called decree. Right? We talk about the decree of God, which is basically just the plan of God or the purpose of God. It's to save by grace. That's His purpose, right? In creation. Um, so Ephesians 1 versus... Uh, we're just going to do this. I think it's important to set the scene, right? Set the, the idea of, of of grace um, so Ephesians 1 verse 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will right? to the praise of his glorious grace in which he is blessed and the so what is the result of his predestining to save us What is the purpose of it? It is to the praise of His glorious grace. So so God planned to save us through grace from the foundation of the world. So if God planned to save us by grace from the foundation of the world, He also included in that He's going to save us from something, which is our sin, our failure to obey Him. He includes that in His plan to save us from sin. So if He's going to save us by grace, He must have included... The fact that we're going to sin, right? That's part of His plan. then no. <laughs> we're not going to go into that. We already did that. It's over. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're not going to go back now. Um, it has to be whether you say He planned, He, he de- what order He decreed it. That's the issue. What order it was. I'm not going to go into the order of decrees today. But um, so and then another, a second one is uh, Second T- uh, Timothy chapter one verse eight. Let's have a look at where it talks about God's plan to save by grace. Second Timothy. Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. So we're talking about how do we read the Bible, through which lens, through, through how do we understand the whole of Scripture. So therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of what we've done, right? But because of His own purpose, right? Now, technical language, His own decree. I mean, this is what they mean by decree, God's purpose, God's will, God's plan, right? He saved us for that. He planned and purposed to save us in grace. And he did it before the ages began. Right? When did he make this plan? Before the ages began. So God has a covenant or God has a plan by which he is going to save us by grace. And God has saved is he's going to do it through Christ. But those saints and those believers before Christ, they're saved the same way we are. They're saved by grace, just as we are. And I want to show that, right, all the way through, um, through Scripture. So um, let's just have a look at, at Noah. So I want to have a look at Noah and show this in the life of Noah, right? There's other people like Enoch, um, Abel. Um, you can look at them as well. There are examples of them as well, and it's very interesting examples. But I want to look at uh, Noah today. Um so the so the first time we get the mention of covenant in the Bible is in the time of Noah. We don't hear the word covenant until the time of Noah. Um, and God makes what I, what I want to argue here is a combined covenant with Noah. What I mean by that is it's covenant. It's a covenant of promise, but it also has stipulations connected to that, that speak point back to the covenant of works in creation so 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 one is one is based on promise God is going to fulfill this no matter what mm-hmm. but the other blessing is connected with with performance with works right so he so let's have a look at it um, uh, Genesis chapter six verses five to eight so let's just set the context the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth that every intention and thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I'll blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creepy things and the birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor. Noah found grace. So man's heart, we're told here, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So why was Noah not like them? Why, why was did Noah not have evil thoughts and intentions in his heart and evil continually? What makes Noah different? Is Noah righteous in the sense that he, he he's not part of you know this line of humanity? He has some other so there's something different about him. I don't think so. I think the, the, the key language here is that he found grace mm-hmm. in the eyes of the Lord. God gave him grace. Yeah. God revealed something to Noah that enabled him not to live like the rest of the, the people around him. Um, and God is allowing the whole world to, to go into corruption. God is allowing that. And, and all the sin is increasing and death is spreading to all. But Noah finds grace. Um and grace comes first. This is important in the order. We say by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, right? What comes first? Grace, grace, then faith, right? So Noah has faith. Uh, Noah uh, finds grace in the eyes of, the Lord. and then we see in the next verse. Uh, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generations. Noah walked with God. So, what comes first here? The fact that he was righteous and then God gave him grace or he gave him grace first and then he was righteous. I think if we just follow the, the text that grace comes first. So God's revealed himself to Noah in some way and Noah from that revelation of God walked righteously and blamelessly and walked with the Lord. So this is God's Revealing, God reveals His grace to us. God effectually calls us, as we talk about it in coming. He effectually calls us. He effectually called Noah, and revealed Himself to Noah, and and separated him from the other people, and and then Noah began to walk with the Lord. So God is giving grace, um, and God destroys the earth with a flood, right? Um, Let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 7. Hebrews 11, verse 7. Faith comes after this. So, grace, then faith, right? Mm -hmm. Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, Mm -hmm. constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, this righteousness that comes by faith is used in Scripture a certain way all the time. The righteousness that comes by faith is, is, a, is, is a righteousness that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Right? So Noah found grace and then he, God gave him the ability to walk uprightly. Mm-hmm. Right? And then through his faith, he was saved. Just as we are. Right? He believed in the coming one. He believed in in God. He trusted in the promise of God and he was saved. Um, Now, what was was Noah's faith in? It's an important question, right? What was his faith in? God makes a promise to Noah. So Genesis 6 verse 18, right? It's important to think about what his faith was in. Does he just have a generic faith in God or does he have faith in a certain thing? a certain thing that god maybe said before <laughs> like that maybe he said to eve it's going to come one like through you or that through uh, you know there's a, a descendant coming right there's a there's a special line that noah is a descendant of he's a descendant of adam and eve he's a descendant of enoch he's a descendant of all these other guys and the 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 the, the knowledge of the covenant that god made the promise that god made is being passed down right I want to show you how God reiterates this. Genesis 6.18, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons and wives with you. Right? But then when he comes out of the ark, look at Genesis 9 verses 1 to 7. He comes out of the ark. So God is going to establish his covenant with Noah. Right? And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What does that remind you of? Genesis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? The, the, the 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 mandate that God gave to Adam and Eve, Yes. fill the earth and subdue it, right? So this is their responsibility, right? This is part of the covenant of works that they failed to obey, right? Um, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast and upon every bird of the heavens, upon every thing that creeps on the ground and all fish in the sea into your hand. They delivered every... Moving thing that lives shall be food for you. As I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat the flesh with its life that's in its blood. So He's giving a command now, right? There's a requirement. Do not eat the flesh with its life that is the blood, right? And for your life, what are require reckoning from every beast? I'll require it from man. From, from his fellow man, I'll require reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man, his blood shall be shed. For God made him in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. So again, God's pushing it out again. I'm going to I establish my covenant with you. And then now I'm going to establish my covenant with the one after you, your descendants. So there's this descendant of Eve. And now there's this descendant of Noah that God's going to establish his covenant with. And this is based on promise. This has nothing to do with works. This has nothing to do with performance. God is going to fulfill what He promised to Adam and Eve, or you know, what He declared. Better to say this: He declared, that "I'm going to do this. I'm going to save." So, so we see here that the fir- why, when I said a mixed covenant, I'm saying part of it is works-based, but part of it is promise-based right? He's going to do this no matter what God is going to, to establish his covenant with Noah and his offspring after him. He's going to do that that's promise these other these other requirements that's works based right and God will require God is, is God is, is going to hold people accountable for breaking these commands and because Noah's descendants are the are the, Noah's descendants will, will fill the earth. Right? Everyone born after Noah is under this this reiteration of the covenant of works. So God is, has said again and said it in, again that, you know, these are the requirements. Don't shed the blood. So God is giving a command. And if they disobey that command, there's going to be judgment. But God is still going to establish his covenant with Noah and his descendant no matter what. So what I'm I'm trying to explain here is that God is going to preserve the earth. He's not going to judge the earth again with a global flood. Why? Because there is going to come. God is going to preserve the earth and not destroy it again because this descendant is coming. This one who through the descendant of of Eve, this descendant of Noah, and as we'll see this other descendant, it keeps going more and more for Abraham, David, all the way up until the new covenant when the Messiah comes, right? So, um, so there's two things going on here. One is a restatement of the of the what we call the the cultural mandate. The cultural mandate was to fill the earth and subdue it, right? And to and to reflect in the, the image and glory of God. That's what God required of us in creation. He made us in His image. We were to to fill the earth and to to put His spread His image. Mm-hmm. Throughout the earth, and we will to give him perfect obedience, right? But Adam and Eve failed, and then God re- restates it to, to Noah: "Do this," and here's a few more commands. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple more commands this time. Don't shed the blood of. Uh, if you shed the blood, you have, there's a reckoning, right? Mm-hmm. Don't kill. Don't murder. Right? So we get the, one of the commandments now. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then look at verse. Verse 11, I established my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I've set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So God is making a covenant with the earth, like with all people, but then he made a specific covenant with Noah. So this is why I distinguish between this is two things happening here. There's a, a general covenant, a restatement of the covenant of works, and then there's a, a covenant of grace, a covenant of promise that it's going to be perpetuated throughout the generations. And I think it's really interesting that God will preserve the earth. Why? This is this is what we talk about. We talk about um Proven- doctrine of providence or the doctrine of common grace. God is giving grace to the, the the nations the nations of the earth but he, he's to protect his his to fulfill his promise why is god not judging the earth right now why because he has still to gather his elect god could could wipe everyone out but god still has elect that he needs to, he's going to save right he's some in the future generations so at this point, the Messiah hadn't come. At this point, there are still many to be saved who are part of God's elect. And he's going to preserve the earth and not destroy it again with a flood because he's going to establish his covenant with Noah and his descendants. And many of God's elect will be saved. Be saved. So he's preserving the earth and not judging it so that he can save his people. So that's what God does. He, 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 He's preserving um, the earth right now, so that he can save his elect, all those he chose before the world began. Right? If we go to one uh, second, uh, second Peter, I think you can you can see this. Second Peter. We talked about this um, a little bit in our. Discussion of Calvinism, Doctrines of Grace, um, uh, chapter, three, chapter 3, verse 9. <clears throat> the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some can slowness. Now, note the context here. It's Noah, right? <laughs> Interesting context. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some can slowness, but is patient towards you but according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Who are you here? Now, we've discussed this a lot in our, we just talked about the doctrines of grace, but the you here is the is the same people as verse 8. Look at verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the Lord, with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Who are the beloved? The believers. So the Lord is patient toward who? You, believers. Right? He's patient towards us, not willing that any should perish. And he, and he believes any of his people. And God is not sending his judgment because he doesn't want any of his elect to perish. So he is delaying judgment because he has to... He doesn't want his elect to perish. Those, both those who who he wrote this epistle to, those who would come after them, including us, right? And those who still are to come in, his sheep. He's going to gather them, right? But he's preserving the earth until all of his elect are gathered. Right? So God is preserving the earth and he will not flood it again and destroy it like, like in a global flood, like he did in the days of Noah. But there will be, and then in earlier in this passage, he talks about, you know, uh, that God will judge by fire. Next time will be a fire judgment. So why, you know, so I think this is pretty strong that God gave grace to Noah. He preserved him. He made a covenant with him. And then he uses him to preserve the line of the Messiah. And then and then because of Noah, God makes a covenant with all of the earth to preserve it so that these two covenants are running parallel, that God will not destroy the earth in a flood again because he's he's gonna say his descendant has to come, and through his descendant, he's going to crush the head of the serpent and save his elect. So there's this God is giving common grace, God is giving grace to the, the unbeliever, even for the sake of his elect for the sake of the ones he's going to save. Um, so I think that, you know, and, and just to go back a little bit, um, I want to show, because we skipped over just a couple of places where you see God's salvation by grace before Noah, because I think I want to show it. So let's look, look at Genesis three twenty one. 21. Um, so Adam and Eve sinned, right? They were naked, they were ashamed. But God made for Adam and uh, and his wife garments of skin yep. and clothed them, right? So God, they were naked and God clothed them. What was that? That's grace, right? God is giving grace to Adam and Eve. He's clothing them. And I think that's a picture of the gospel, right? He covers them with the, the skin of another, the one that was offered. right? We all see these powers. We all agree with them, right? But what I'm trying to prove is it's grace. Mm -hmm. Every time he's giving grace, 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 all the way through, God doesn't have to do this, He doesn't have to clothe their nakedness, right? And He clothes our nakedness. Mm -hmm. We receive the imputed righteousness of Christ, we receive uh, uh, the garments of of praise, we receive righteousness from Him as a gift, right? He imputes the righteousness of Christ to us, and we have it. And and then when we stand before Him, we stand with Him before Him with, with white garments. Because of the righteousness of Jesus, so this is in the very beginning of Genesis. What about Cain and Abel? Cain's offering. A lot, of, you know. A lot of times we talk about Cain's offering. Uh, sorry, Abel's offering, and we say we're trying to work out like what is it? Why did God accept uh, Abel's offering and not Cain's? I always wonder. Like, and there's a lot of debate about it. People say, you know, Abel gave the, the lamb. Um, you know, Abel's heart was better than Cain's. I don't know, but I think I'm, what I'm going to what I'm going to argue here is it, it is because of the Lamb. and there's a reason for that um, because Abel was a prophet. Right? Abel was a prophet; he knew about Christ, right? Now I'll tell you how he knew. Let's go to um, Luke chapter eleven, where Abel is called a prophet. Luke. Chapter 11, verse 50. Okay. So, uh, therefore, all uh, start at verse 49. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets from, shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel, to the blood of Zechariah, who perished um, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. So I think this indicates that Abel was a prophet, because it said all the prophets from Abel to Zechariah, right? So he was a prophet. I was thinking all your grandmas. Abel's a prophet as well. And yeah, yeah. And then go to Hebrews 11 verse 4, I think it confirms it. Hebrews 11 verse 4. By faith, how did he offer it? By faith. faith. Abel offered his, by faith, and he was a prophet. And he offered a lamb, right? So he offers a lamb, he's a prophet. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, mm-hmm. through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though though he died, he still speaks. Yeah, so his I, I think Abel is a prophet and he understood about Christ. I think he understood the promise. Like I understood the promise that God made to his parents. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that's too hard to kind of think that they, 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 they told him, right? They told him about when he's going to come. Now, somehow he knew to offer a lamb, but like even when God, uh, had to kill some animal to clothe them. Right? Mm. So maybe, he maybe he saw that through that, you know, yeah, he saw God's action, which, which is revelatory. God's action is always relative. Relato- you know, he re- he reveals things through his words and his actions. So, this is the two ways that we get revelation. God acts and he reveals himself through what he does, and he reveals himself through his words, his words and deeds, which is interesting. Jesus is a man powerful in word and deed, right? So, God reveals himself in these two ways, right? Okay, let's look at uh, another one um, uh, Enosh. Let's look at Enosh, Genesis. Um, this is a really interesting one. Thank you, um uh, Adam uh, Adam and Eve's third son right this is in um, okay uh, look at verse uh, chapter 4 verse 26 uh, verse 25 sorry but Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For well, she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel for, for Cain killed him. Now, just before we move on, it's interesting, he's appointed for me another offspring. Remember, she, your, your offspring shall do what? Christ. So she obviously knew Cain was bad because he's a murderer, he's not the one. Now, Abel's dead. What, where, how's God going to fulfill the promise? Right. But he's appointed me another offspring. Right. And then verse 26 to Seth, also a son was born and called his name Enosh at that time. People began to call upon the name of the Lord. Interesting, right? Mm. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be what saved, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, so you know, we read in, uh, in Romans 10, right? All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So they begin to call upon the name of the Lord. So it seems like they're calling upon the name of the Lord, and they're being saved in this time. And and Abel was saved through his faith, right? Um, what about Enoch? He walked with God. Yep. Enoch is said to be saved by his faith as well, right? And he was taken up into heaven alive, right? God took him. He was saved from death by faith. And so we—that's interesting. So are we. So these are examples. Their faith is like ours. Like they believed, Abel believed in the lamb and offered it on his behalf, right? Men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Um, Enoch walked with God and 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 he was saved from death, which we will be, you know, if we walk with the Lord and those who are alive at the Lord's coming, what will happen? They won't die. <laughs> like it's, there's similarities all through scripture. I think, um, I think uh, let's look at Hebrews 11, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 5. So what I'm trying to show is that they're saved the same way we were. It's not. It's not different. It's not like once set of rules for people one time. It's all the same way. It's by grace, and, and God is revealing the Messiah to them. Um, I'm just slow. Sorry. Excuse me. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse five. Where oh, am I? Here we go. Hebrews eleven, uh, verses five and six. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Enoch had faith and he walked with God and he was saved by his faith, just the same way we are. Now, why did Enoch... Walk with God and those in his generation not. So it's just like if we're gonna start attributing it to their moral character, we have a problem. People are saved by their moral character, they're saved some other way than we are. Or the people in the Old Testament were saved by their righteousness or their own deed, their own deed. I don't think we're gonna say that. No, no one's gonna say that. They must be they're saved by their faith. But the fact that they had faith, um, you know they also knew the promises of God. They knew this, this plan of God, that God was going to send an offspring, and they knew that they were part of the line from Adam. They knew that. And the, the, the stories were passed on, the, the, the promises were passed on, and some believed them and some didn't. So, um, all those in the Old Testament are saved by grace through faith, just like we are. and I, And I think... You know, we don't know what knowledge they had, but I think you can see some indications here that they had some understanding that it was in the descendant of Eve. This this one who's going to come, and they didn't have all the details that we have, but they did have. They did believe in him, like we do. We believe in Jesus. We we um, we look back, and we have more revelation of who he is. They look forward, but they had enough revelation. To be saved by Christ, right? Um, and um, have a look. Just go if you're still in Hebrews. Go to eleven, um, verse thirty-nine. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Now, what I get from this is that they're looking forward and we're looking back mm-hmm. and we're all united by faith. We're all united around the same one. We're all united to Christ by faith. They look forward, we look back, and we're all part of the church. We're all part of the, the those registered in heaven, the church of the firstborn, right? Um, it, and they're all saved the same way. Go, go to chapter 12 Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 but you have come to Mount Zion the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem to the innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect right so to the assembly the word assembly just means church mm-hmm. the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. So they're enrolled in heaven. Abel, uh, Enoch, they're all part of what? The assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven. So they're part of the church and they're perfected. We're going to be perfected together. Mm-hmm. We're going to rule and reign together. They sowed and we reap. They—they they, they, Through their example, we can walk. And, and so they're our spiritual fathers. Right, of the faith, so yeah, so I think they were saved the same way we are by promise. They're not saved by their works, but their faith obviously, they had works of faith that proved their faith was genuine. But those who the way you get in is through promise, you don't get in through works, the way you get in is through grace, God revealing his promise and believing that promise. And then you're set, sa- and then you're saved, and then you live a holy life, and you live a, a righteous life, and that's the same for them as it is for us. Um, yeah. So, any questions, comments? Um, I have to leave. You have to leave. Okay. No problem, brother. Very good. Thank you. Yeah.